Good morning. It is a joy to be here again. And this, I think this is the fourth time that I've come to share. And uh, it's, as, as uh, sad as it is, it's rare for a church to be so excited about my ministry and to even open their doors once, much less four times. So thank you so much. Um, we have a lot of ground to cover, but I have two things that I want to touch on this morning. Um, one was a request, and the second is to kind of give you a little bit of where the book is going. Uh, the first was a question that was asked of me is, is, what has memorizing Scripture done for me, or, you know, and what, what has it done and helpful? And there's two things that jump to mind right away. The first is a real depth of understanding of what these books are about. Um, there was a time I was reciting Hebrews at one point, and I just stopped in the middle of the recitation. It was kind of on my own, and I'd been like the 30th time I'd been through the book, and I'm like, wait a minute, this part here enlightens this over here, and there was these connections that I made between something, and it just gave me understanding that I wouldn't have had, because we get so focused on the nitty-gritty, it's so focused on the verse, one verse here, one verse there, and we don't see the big picture of what the book is about and giving understanding, and, and so that's one of the things it's done for me, and the second thing is it makes life a lot harder. Because the truth is just there right in front of me all the time, illuminating how many ways I don't live up to the standards of God, how short I fall of what He wants from me. So many things in the Scriptures that I just look at and like, and I'm not doing that, and I'm not doing that, and I'm not… Like, there's so much conviction that, that comes with the more that you're exposed to the truth, the more that you see what God wants from you. And then not just the conviction, not just the guilt, but a deep appreciation for the mercy of God. That in spite of all those failures, in spite of all the ways in which you don't live up to His commands, He still loves me and is so patient and gracious. Hebrews is a, a long book, and there's a lot to cover, and I just want to touch on one thing to be taking note of throughout this book, because one of the things that's talked a lot about Hebrews is that Christ is supreme. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than the law. His covenant is better. His, his high priesthood is better in every way, and that's, that's a big part of the book of Hebrews. But one piece that's also there that actually literally bookends the book is the idea that God is speaking to us through His Son, this one who is better than the angels, this one who is better than Moses. His message is coming to us right now, and even says in chapter 4, today He is speaking to us, right now. At the end of the book, He says, if they ignored and rejected the one who spoke to them on earth, talking about Moses on the mountain and the law that was given. He says, if, you, if they rejected Him and they did not escape, how much less will we escape if we refuse Him who warns from heaven? This book is going to say to us, God is speaking today to us. What are you going to do with it? Not 
what have you done, not where has your faith been, not what have you responded in the past, but now, today, this hour, in every time, in every moment that it could literally be said today, what are you going to do with God, with what God has said, and with the person and the message of Jesus Christ? We encourage you to be thinking about that and noticing that as we go through this book. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed, heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he will be to me a son. And again, when he brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all of God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, He makes his angels winds, his ministers a flame of fire. But the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness, hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And again, you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. The heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. And which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirit sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Therefore, We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how should we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. Well, God also bore witness by signs, by wonders, by various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Now, it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are now speaking, for it has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him, you made him... For a little while, lower than the angels, you have crowned him with glory and honor, putting all things in subjection underneath his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection underneath him, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we do see him who, for a little while, was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he for whom and through whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. 
For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all of one. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, he says, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he likewise partook of the same things so that through death he might destroy him who is the power of death, that is the devil, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Consequently, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest to God to offer an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the people. For since he himself has suffered while tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle, And the high priest of our confession was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken of later, but Jesus is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold our confidence and the boasting of our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness, when your father saw my work and put me to the test for 40 years, therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But Encourage one another every day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden in your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet still rebelled? Was it not all of those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years, but with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And whom did he say that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For the good news came to us, just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united with faith with those who listen. For we who believe enter that rest. As it is said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For God has testified somewhere of the seventh day in this way. And God rests on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. 
Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of unbelief, again he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterward, and the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has rested from his works just as God did from his. Therefore, let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the Word of God is alive. Is active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give count. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast what we confess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every respect as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act in behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. About this we have much to say, but It is hard to explain because you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the message of righteousness since he's but a child, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish between good and evil. Therefore, let us lay aside the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith toward God, instructions about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible 
In the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, for that one to fall away, to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt. For land that drinks the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from the Lord. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation, for God is not unjust to overwork, overlook your work and the love you have shown for His name in serving the saints as you still do. But we desire each of you to show the same earnest to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not become sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham... Since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promises. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a steadfast, sure anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, and he blessed him. And to him, Abraham gave a tenth of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days, end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. See how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of everything. For the descendants of Levi, who have received the priestly office, have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers, though these also are descended from Abraham. But this man, who does not have his descent from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now, it is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other, by whom, one of whom it is testified, he is alive. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham since he was still on the body of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. 
For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe from which no one is served at the altar. For it's evident that our Lord descended from Judah. In connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises after the order of Melchizedek who has become a priest, not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. On the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and its uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath, for the the former priests were made such without an oath, but this one was made a priest with an oath by him who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because death prevented them from continuing in office, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, exalted to the heavens. He has no need, like those other priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins, then for the sins of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests. But the word of the oath, which came after the law, appoints a son who's been made perfect forever. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the, the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up. Not men. For every priest is offer, appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Thus, it was necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were here on earth, he would not be a priest at all. For there are already priests who offer gifts according to the law. These serve as a, a copy, a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, See that you make everything according to the example shown you on the mountain. As it is, Jesus has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, what further need would there have been for another? But he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel with the house of Jacob, not like the covenant that I made with them, when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, so I showed no regard for them. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people." They will not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, 
for they will all know me, from the, the least of them to the greatest. And I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Now, in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship and in an earthly place of holiness. A, a tent was prepared. The, the first section, which was the table, the lampstand, and the bread of the presence, it is called the holy place. Behind a second curtain was a second section called the most holy place, having the golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was the, the golden urn holding the manna, the Aaron's staff that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. Above it was a cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. These preparations, having thus been made, the priests go regularly in the first section to perform their ritual duties. But in the second section, only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into holy places is not yet open as long as the first section remains standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered, which can never perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but only deal with food, drink, various washings and regulations for the body imposed until time of reformation when Christ entered into holy places not made with hands. That's not His creation. He entered once for all, not by the means of the blood of bulls and goats, but by means of His own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and calves and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself to God, purify our consciences from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, He is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called might receive the promised eternal inheritance. For a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the, the death of the one who made it must be established, for a will takes place only at death, since it is not enforced as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For... Moses had given the commandments to all the people. He took the blood of goats and calves together with water, scarlet wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people saying, this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And the same way he sprinkled both the tent and all the vessels in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. 
nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest going to the holy places every year with blood not their own. For since then, he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the earth. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. For just as it is appointed for man to die once, And then come judgment, so also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. For since the law is but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it could never, by the same sacrifices which were repeatedly offered, perfect those who draw near to worship. For since then, would they not have ceased to have been offered? For since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, He said, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for Me. In burnt offerings, sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scroll of your book. When he says above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices, offerings, burnt offerings, sin offerings, although these are offered according to the law. Then he says, I have come to do your will. He abolishes the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of the Lord Jesus once for all. And every priest stands daily at his ministry, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice which could never take away sins when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single sacrifice, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to this. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts. Then he says, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there no longer remains any sacrifice for sins. Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and the living way which He opened through us, through the curtain that is through His flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water, and let us hold fast to our confession without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day approaching. 
For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains any sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who set aside the law of Moses dies without question on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by one who has spurned the Son of God and profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who has said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall, the former days, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and sometimes being partners with those who are treated. You had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property because you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. For it has great reward. For after you have done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. My righteous one will live by faith. If he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the, the conviction of things not seen, for by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was made by the Word of God, so that what is seen is not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gift. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him up. And before he was taken up, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, after having been warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness that comes through faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a land he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not even knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him with the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose architect and whose builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received the power to conceive, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them, having greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and aliens on the earth. For people who speak this way make it plain that they're looking for a land their own, 
if they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they seek a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has already prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises when the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, for they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's anger. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God. He considered the reproach of Christ greater worth than all the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking forward to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the king's anger, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed over the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient since she had given a friendly welcome to spies. <laughs> and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, of Samson, Jephthah, of Samuel, and David and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in battle, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead a resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and floggings and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They wandered about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated of whom this world was not worthy. They wandered about in deserts and mountains and dens of the caves of the earth. And all of these, though commended by God for their faith, did not receive what was promised since God has prepared something better for us so that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race marked out before us, looking to Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and He sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from evil men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
for you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Have you forgot the word of exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves. He chastises every son whom He approves. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as His sons. For what son is there whose father does not discipline him? If you then were left without discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we, we had fathers who disciplined us, and we respect them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good, so that we might share in His holiness. At the present time, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it produces a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, make level paths for your feet so what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root or bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no room for repentance, so he sought for the blessing with tears. For you have not come to what may be touched, darkness and gloom, a tempest, the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose message made the hearers beg that no further message be given, for they could not endure the message that was given. If even a beast touches this mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to innumerable angels and festal gathering and the assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven, and to God Himself, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse Him who is speaking. If they did not escape, when they refused Him who warned on earth, much less will we escape if we refuse Him who warns from heaven. At that time, His voice shook the earth, but now He has sworn, yet once more will I shake not only the earth, but the heavens as well. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of the things that can be shaken, that is, the things that are created so that what may not be shaken might remain. Therefore, let us be grateful to be receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and with awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. 
Let marriage be held in honor by all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the impure. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For we know him who has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of the Lord, word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their lives and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led astray by strange and diverse teachings, for it is good to be strengthened by grace, but not by foods, which have not even benefited those who are devoted to them. For we have a table from which those who serve in the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood are brought into the holy place as a sacrifice for sins by the high priest are burnt outside the camp. So also Christ went outside the gate to sanctify the people through His blood. Therefore, let us go to Him outside the gate and bear the reproach that He endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through Him, then, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. Do not neglect to do good or to share what you have, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you all the more earnestly to do this, that we may be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of all peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good so that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight. To Him be the glory forever and ever. I, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I will come and see you if he comes soon. Greet your leaders and all the saints. All the saints who are with me greet you. Grace be with you all. Let me pray, and then I want to give a couple minutes, a little bit of time for you to think about what God has shared with you today. What will you do? Not tomorrow. Not what did you do yesterday. What will you do today with the Word of God and with the person of Jesus Christ? Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. May your Word do what it does. And though the process might be painful, to be laid bare and naked before a God who can see all things. May it also 
pierce and give us that deep comfort in knowing that you are a faithful God to your people. Let us go through the curtain, enter the holy place, and find mercy and help for our time of need. Amen.